This morning's scripture readings come from sermons to early Christian communities in diaspora. Let us listen to our foreparents' wisdom and hear the message for us here and now in our own era. From the Epistle of James Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. And from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God in Spirit, for the word of God among us. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we decided on the fruits of the Spirit as our Lenten theme, there was part of me, a small voice inside my head that said, Oof. After some reflection, I realized that my experience of the fruits of the Spirit is very much intertwined with my experiences as a woman. Humility, gentleness, patience, generosity. These are indeed very countercultural values, I know. But that small voice inside of me keeps piping up for men. They're countercultural for men. I'm speaking very generally here and using a very wide brush, very, very broad brush. But our society in many ways expects women to be humble and men to seek status. You know, studies have shown that women only apply to jobs when they meet 100% of the qualifications, while men will apply if they meet at least 60% of them. Women are told that we need to own and tuck up our own accomplishments if we want to succeed, but are more likely to be criticized for boasting. If a teacher said, Taylor is a great student, but can be a little bossy at playtime, what gender student are you picturing? Why is it that our culture encourages people to draw on their strength by saying, man up? And taunts a boy's weak pitching arm by saying he throws like a girl. And at the same time, heaven forbid a teenage girl show too much strength in her sport, lest she be subjected to chromosome and hormone tests to prove she's really a girl. I would need more than two hands to count the number of times I've been called a feminine slur for calmly but firmly asserting a boundary. And yet, when men don't stand up for themselves, they're often called a different feminine slur. 
as a woman, I'm acutely aware of the ways that society both expects me to be gentle and mocks me for being so. I wouldn't be surprised if many of my female and femme-presenting siblings have a similar awareness and feel a similar sense of what gives. Now, a sermon is too short a format for a full-on exploration of gender roles and expectations, but I do want to offer this. For better or for worse, gentleness is a gendered trait in our American society. And I don't mean by that that some genders are inherently gentle. Rather, that we associate gentleness with a particular gender or gender expression, specifically femininity. We associate gentleness with femininity in a world that still sees femininity as inferior. Gay or bisexual men who use dating apps are likely familiar with the disclaimer, no fems, on some men's profiles. We affectionately call little girls tomboys when they eschew traditionally feminine attire and activities, but little boys who are interested in traditionally feminine stylings and activities are still often bullied. We're inundated with media depictions of parents encouraging their daughters' little league prospects, but rarely their sons' dance recital practice. And have we ever even had a storyline of a non-binary child? Women are held to certain standards, like gentleness, in a culture that values anything but. Now, if you asked an international visitor to describe American cultures or values, do you think gentleness would be in their top five or even top 10? And that's why it's all the more poignant to me that Jesus, a cisgender man, embodied values that run counter to what our culture says is the masculine ideal. Jesus shows us how to live a life of gentleness, how to embrace who we are and who we are called to be regardless of societal forces or values. According to Jesus, to be gentle, we need to be in tune with who we are, with where we are. We need to be able to self-regulate. And this doesn't mean holding it all in. That's not effective or healthy self-regulation. Jesus was no stranger to expressing his own emotions, and he even encouraged others to do the same. He wept openly, both in grief and in frustration. He told his friends how much it hurt his feelings that they didn't stay awake to keep him company while he prayed. In the garden on the morning of the resurrection, he encouraged Mary to talk about her feelings, asking her, why are you weeping? Our culture values holding it in, bottling it up, keeping a stiff upper, upper lip. And in my experience, that almost always leads to an explosion, sometimes an outward explosion, lashing out at others, sometimes an inward explosion, lashing out at ourselves. If we are called to cultivate gentleness, we are called to develop fluency with our emotions, expressing them honestly, openly and healthily. Gentleness is often paired with humility in biblical writings as well. Paul calls us to walk with all humility and gentleness. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble of heart, and so on and so on. We heard last week how Jesus rejected Satan's temptations of status and power, knowing their danger. When we're swept up in status and proving ourselves to the world, 
we are prioritizing the world's values over God's values. When we ruminate over how we do or don't measure up, we can easily fall into a mentality where the ends justify the means, doing whatever it takes to get a leg up on the competition, hurting others and ourselves in the process. I'm reminded also of the sometimes baffling habit that Jesus had of urging his disciples to keep mum about his ministry, to not tell anyone who he was or what miracles he had performed. Perhaps this humility freed him to stay longer in each town, to interact more authentically with communities, to minister more deeply. When we center our aspirations and goals in the knowledge that no matter what, God knows who we truly are, and no matter what, God says that we are enough, it frees our spirit to dwell in a place of curiosity and generosity and gentleness. One of the helpful ways I've thought about gentleness is that it is marked by intentionality. It's the intentional withholding of force, the intentional abstention from violence, the intentional gentleness. Gentleness is like the slow pace of a well-constructed children's show, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. There is a lot of slow, silent space, but there isn't any wasted space. A major facet of gentleness is indeed the withholding of force, the abstention from violence, be it physical, verbal, emotional, or spiritual. And that isn't to say that there's no place for righteous or prophetic anger in our lives. After all, even Jesus flipped over tables in the temple courtyard. It's important to recall, however, that the day before, Jesus had gone into the temple and looked around, taking it all in. He reflected overnight and formulated a plan and returned the next day to drive out the money changers. As one article by theologian Xiao Chong reflects, it was not, as often imagined, a spur-of-the-moment violent rage. Rather, it was a calculated public protest. Our culture normalizes violence as losing your temper. We live in a punishment culture that is evident in everything from our criminal justice system to many dog trainers' use of aversive tools that are illegal in other countries, like shock collars or prong collars or choke chains. Our culture values being the alpha, which, just a reminder, was that whole concept of alpha or beta was based on a flawed, now debunked study on captive wolves that weren't even from the same pack. And we're taught that in order to be alpha, you have to use force to establish and defend your position. We normalize losing one's temper, engaging in violence, through depictions of school children in the media chanting, fight, 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 in the cafeteria, to politicians setting their supporters on hecklers. Even, we even normalize violence through the common, joking refrain, you should see the other guy when we have a visible injury. And yet again, there is Jesus, the king of kings, the prince of peace, able to curse a fig tree to wither and die, instantly healing the wounded ear of a Roman soldier, even as he is arrested and led to his death reminding his rightfully angry disciple 
that violence isn't the way God calls us to be in this world, that it only begets more violence. This kind of gentleness, Jesus's kind of gentleness, is that gentleness born of wisdom that James talks about in his letter. It isn't a gentleness that is weaponized to oppress, a tool of the patriarchy. It's a gentleness, like James says, from above, full of mercy and good fruits. It isn't a gentleness adopted to survive in a culture that polices gender norms. It's a gentleness donned with intentionality through relationship with self, neighbor, and God. It's a gentleness that is intertwined with humility, self-acceptance, and curiosity. So my charge to all of us today, to my male siblings caught between measuring up to society's macho ideals and the gentleness of the Lamb of God, to my non-binary siblings caught in a world that isn't always willing to let you define yourself, and to my female siblings trying to figure out how to get by without buying in to their own oppression, is to remember the life and love of the one who we are called to emulate, the one who says to all of us, all of us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.